The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good evening or good morning, I don't know. Uh, this is Jill again for one last show. I'm greeting you this week in a slightly different part of the world. I've been, um, I've been living in Southeast Asia for the past 10 days, uh, visiting my wife's family. And so it's a little uh, different from my usual. Um, it's a place that I know fairly well. I've been going there for about 20 years, but still... It feels like a, a somewhat different environment, and um, and I think it's a good um, it's a good reason for me to talk about culture today, culture and the way culture kind of molds us, uh, kind of uh, conditions us and formats us. Uh, it's something I've been talking about uh, quite a bit last year, and um, it's a theme that I want to take into the the future, into the near future, into um, Next week, in fact, when I start something, uh, something new. So, in the first place, I wanted to thank uh, the people from the network that have helped me um, come or arrive where I am now. I mean, there's a lot of people that work behind the scenes. Some of them I don't know. Some of them that I know. Uh, I would like to thank the CEO, Jeff Spannard, uh, who found me on LinkedIn about a year and a half ago and uh, who kindly invited me to... Um, to put together a proposal. Also, there was uh, my first uh, executive director, James Yaw, who has left the network uh, quite some time ago, but I was very grateful because he was uh, very um, instrumental, I would say, in, um, in getting me on board. And uh, I submitted a, a proposal for the, for the show, and he was um, able to, to market it, in a sense, within, within the, the network. And, uh, Again, got me on board. Uh, also, another name that comes to mind is my current um, executive producer, Sandra Rogers, who's been helping me for the past year. So I'm very uh, grateful and um, learned a lot from her. And also, there's Michael, who is behind the mic at the moment in the studio in, in Phoenix. Uh, it's been quite a journey with Michael, and uh, he's originally from New Jersey, so we have a connection there, uh, knowing I spent so much time in New Jersey, about um, a good 20 years, 21 years of my life. And I would like to mention two more people. One I worked at the very beginning called Jeff um, for the design of the, 
of the banner and other details about uh, the messages that you hear at the beginning of the show and during the breaks. I think it was uh, also very, very helpful and very kind and very uh, well organized. I really appreciated that. And, and finally, also a guy called Randy, Randy Jackman, uh, who is a technician and who has been helping me in case of problems and then... There's a lot of things, again, that go on behind the scenes, when, especially when I pre-record and I want to send in some files or want to listen to them. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a, a good bit of logistics, and I'm, I'm very um, grateful, again, that I found such a professional organization um, to get me going and to get me where I am today. So, um, again, I mentioned that quite some time ago, at least three or four weeks ago, that I would be starting something new next week. Uh, it's new and it's not so new, and um, so it's a bit of both. Um, I call it, and, and uh, the, the word that came to mind in the past uh, couple of days is continuation. So there's really a continuing theme. It's just a slightly different format, uh, but there will be, um, I won't call it a show. Uh, I don't know. It's a strange bit of a strange word, a show. Radio show makes sense, but it's not going to be on the wave. It's going to be uh, like a webinar that you accessed in a very similar way on the, on the net. You, um, you click and you become part of a, a group of listeners, uh, attendees if you want. It may be more, it may be more participative. Uh, active participation is not a requirement, but I would hope you know, over, the, over the weeks, over the month, to have some sort of a, a community forming and there will be uh, certainly much more opportunity for asking questions, both uh, verbally and, and in a written form uh, uh, at the bottom of the, the page and the, for the, the webinar format I will be using. There's a box that allows you to type in a question and then set it in. And um, again, there's different ways to connect and there will be also phone connection if you're interested in phone connection. So. All of this should, um, should come together um, very nicely in the next, uh, I hear there's a call. There's a call from um, a person in Toronto. Hello. Hello, Gilles. I, today's kind of a bittersweet day. It's your last show. I wanted to thank you for being our companion on the journey and teaching us spelunking. It was a wonderful year of programs, and, and I learned a lot, and I'm so looking forward to your new continuation. Um, I think that your work is very valuable in the world at this time. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much, Karen. I mean, we've been uh, chit-chatting quite a bit on Skype, so I guess it's, uh, it's as I said, it's a continuation of what uh, will happen in the future in a different format. So thank you very much for, your, for being so yes. faithful, especially. All the best. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for Karen. Karen was, um, I think we, we connected right very, from the very beginning of the show. I don't know exactly at what time, but uh, for LinkedIn again and then, and then Skype. We've been uh, chit-chatting uh, regularly and also in between breaks sometimes uh, during the show. Uh, and it's good sometimes to, to get... Uh, a person's opinion, especially when something is going well or not so well, I guess. It's, uh, I see the, the kind of feedback that I really appreciate. 
and um, I hope there will be more in the future. It's really one thing that I need in terms of um, what I call my personal nourishment. You know, there's reasons why we do things, uh, all of us. And there's, uh, yes, yeah, something that nourishes, nourishes us, uh, something that feeds us. And uh, to me, communication is really essential. Uh, communication means usually a two-way communication. And it's, um, it doesn't have to be with words. Um, most of the times it is with words, either you know, orally or, or, or in a written format. But um, to me, it's very important to also to, to be able to know who is there, um, to have a sense of who is listening, and, and to have a sense of a, a person's or a group's presence. And it's really what I want to, to build in the future, uh, at least attempt to build that. And it goes along with, um, with this concept of unity consciousness that Altair spoke about uh, last week. And um, I was thinking there's many things I could say today in the show, but I was thinking, especially this week, uh, what I'm more into more, a bit more of a observation uh, attitude in a sense, since I'm not in my regular environment and uh, some of the language which is spoken here, both in my family and outside is not uh, familiar to me. So I'm, I tend to go in more, more easily and at the same time I tend to raise my antennas and um, I was thinking a lot about the mind, uh, about the way the mind works. Uh, and I think Altair was saying last week that, um, you know, so often we find ourselves uh, either in the past or even in the future. And I was paying attention to what I was doing 10, 15 minutes ago when I was uh, listening to the sounds code. And my mind was already part of the show, you know, into the show. It's, it's very interesting. It's, um, it's the way the mind works. And I think uh, I will be talking a lot. I will be teaching a lot about the mind and how to observe the mind. I have my own experience to share, but I really hope that some other people will be sharing their own uh, kind of mind observation technique. Um, and I found, um, I found, I think I will share that before the first break, but I found a very interesting book that will be, uh, it will be in a sense my, my companion uh, on a journey of what is, uh, what is uh, about to, to be birthed, to take place. It's a book by uh, a Danish guy called Lars Mull, M-U-H-L. And he wrote a book, it's a very thick book called the O, the letter O, the O Manuscript. And it's a story about his life for the past, um, I don't know, at least a good five, ten years of his life uh, after he got sick. He got sick, he had a very strange, um, I call it a disease, I don't know, it didn't give much details, but that kept him in bed more or less for about two years in the late 1990s. And then out of the blue, he got connected through a friend of his to um, a seer, or call it a, a healer, who lives in Montségur. And obviously, uh, you know, when it comes to Montségur, I have also my antennas up. And, um, and this year, you know, allowed him to, to recover his, uh, his mind, his sane mind and his, 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 his health. And from what I read so far, he took a trip to Montségur a few weeks after this first phone call to the seer uh, to meet with a person. And there's a lot of things that are very spiritual in this book. And one of them is, um, is about the way the mind works. And it talks, um, 
again, it's nothing new, but uh, the way it talks about the lower mind and the higher mind is um, is very um, it's very telling. It's very simple. It's very so I'm going to read just a couple uh, sentences and I'm going to spend more time and I'm going to expand on that next week because I see a very clear connection between self-awareness or, or you call it uh, spiritual awareness and, uh, and cultural awareness. You know, what comes from our culture, things that have been, um, the one that comes is imposed, but I think a, a better word would be painted, uh, something that has been painted upon us because I believe the first moment we come to life, there is no culture in us. There may be some remnants of past lives and past cultures and past whatever, karma. But um, there's nothing of that um, culture and that country in which we are born. And then somehow uh, things happen. They don't happen by accident because we, we all get conditioned and formatted uh, a certain way. And there's ways that are different and ways that are similar. So we, we tend to distinguish in the field between what is personal, what is cultural, meaning national culture, and what is universal. And I think um, a good bit of what um, relates to the mind and the functioning of the mind has to do both with the personal and the universal. And so then, you know, if when you put everything together, you have the cultural in the middle and you have the personal slash self and universal. Uh, they all come nicely together. And so here's a section about the self that I'm going to read and quote from uh, his book, The Old Manuscript. That is why we have to move away from the level of behaviorism. Uh, we cannot deny the self. But we must understand that there is a self that solely relates to the world and another higher self, which is without limitations and in perfect balance with all aspects of life. While the little self is busy counting its money and planning the future, creating strategies and nurturing its career, shopping and consuming, worrying and looking for confirmation, the higher self is simply concerned with being. I love that. The higher self is simply concerned with being. And it's, um, there's more to the, to the paragraph that I'm going to read to you, but I think it's very interesting for me to read this at this time in my, in my so-called evolution, in my, in my walking the path, whatever the path means and is. Um, especially today. Today was a very difficult day. Uh, it's like the, my ego self, my lower self got a beating. And... Um, there were so many things that got me upset, and last night was not a very good night. Um, it's very hot and humid around here. Uh, didn't sleep a long time, and it's like you know when uh, when the body also is the weakest. Uh, that's when the self, the lower self, sets in. And today was just a day of so much and so many small irritations here and there. And I was thinking again, about, and, and again, the, the lower self, the mind, was, was taking center stage about his all uh, complaints about what was going on. It wasn't, it wasn't about person A, it was about person B, and then person C, and then the situation X. Well, you know what I mean, it happens, but today was just like uh, being funneled. It was like a funnel of so many things happening and so many small things that would irritate me. 
And at the same time, I was thinking about, you know, the role of the higher self, is, which is to some extent, I wouldn't say to pamper the lower self, but to contain it so that the, the lower self doesn't explode and doesn't express itself in, in just its own crazy ways, uh, creating the chaos and uh, all the trouble and the disturbance that it wants to create. And it's a process that I've been, uh, this dance, I call it a dance between uh, the higher self, and, uh, which is looking in a sense, overlooking the, the lower self, and um, the exchange between the two, which takes place you know, somewhere obviously between in, within my mind. But um, I found that again very interesting. Um, and perhaps this was meant to happen with uh, this last show you know, uh, on tonight. Uh, this evening or this afternoon. And so, um, you know what the lower self can do to you. I mean, you know how it works. Uh, and yet, um, what I'm saying again, this, this dance between the higher self and the lower self is the importance of observing what is going on. And the more you look at the lower self from a, an upward position, the more you look at it, the more you can distance, distance yourself from it. And uh, I made that analogy in the past, but it's almost like a young child whining. You know, there's whining. I mean, our son does that very often. You know, he whines. It's something he doesn't like. Uh, you remove a toy or something like this, and uh, he starts whining. But it's not, it's not really pain. It's just, it's just ego whining. You know, it's, it's ego testing to see if there will be a response, to see if I can possibly influence my parents. And... In that regard, I look at the higher self as the parent, the person who knows, the person who has the wisdom, the person who is concerned with being, the person who is concerned with the totality of who we are, and, um, and the lower self being the little uh, naughty child, in a sense, that wants to disturb the, the pace, or, or the peace, and both, I guess. So I'm just going to finish those two paragraphs. Um, while the little self feels that it needs all its activities in order to function, the higher self is, the higher self is, because it is totally free of any excess luggage. That is why people sometimes experience that there are two different worlds. Such an experience, of course, is a beginning, but you should have passed that stage long ago. That's what the seer is telling the last move. When you lose your timing, it's, it is simply because you aren't present. Most people think that if they really apply themselves and concentrate to the point of exhaustion, then they've got it. But it is really the other way around. You first have to loosen up and let go. You must be willing to let things be and to leave opportunities alone, no matter how obvious they may be. Then you must learn to sharpen your attention without any effort. This way, you'll train your ability to be really present. Such presence is an extension of a deeper intuition. Do not confuse this with the traditional understanding of female intuition. The real intuition is more like a kind of omnipresence and omniscience, if you like. It is because of the certainty that this self is able to be. And this last paragraph... Um, it's a very important one, and I'm going to say much at this time uh, about it, but the way things are to work from a higher self perspective, from a perspective of, of knowing, 
And um, as you know, the, the lower self, the ego mind, has a tendency to jump in as soon as possible, as soon as an opportunity presents itself. Whatever it is, you know, something we can do, let's do it right away. Uh, when in fact, sometimes, you know, uh, again, it depends a lot on the context when sometimes a dangerous situation requires our immediate attention. But sometimes when it comes to doing something, uh, it's much better to wait to wait and muster all the presence we can. It's also what um, Altaya was talking last week when he mentioned this energy body and working on our energy body. And again, I tried to do that 15 minutes before the show and, and I wouldn't be able to. My, my naughty child was really overactive and uh, I couldn't do much. And so... Uh, Sometimes it's just the way it is, and we have to sort of um, let it go. So thank you very much. I will, um, I will see you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. You. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Yes, hello again. This is Jill, uh, nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us from one last show. Thank you very much for listening all this month. Uh, I was talking right before the break about, um, about the mind. You know, I know that I want to talk a bit more about culture today and uh, saying that uh, culture is no longer the culprit. But I wanted to say one more thing about in relation to um, the lower self and the higher self, what I described, um, what I read to you in, in these quotes. Uh, because there's a... There's another point that the seer makes when he talks, when he, he tutors or coaches uh, Lars Moll, talking in relation again to the lower self and the higher self. He says, what kind of knowledge is this? What is really the point? If we only relate to the level of behavior, we soon find that everything we do and everything we seek is based on fear. As long as we remain at this level and refuse to see that there are other levels, we shall basically think, basically think and act from fear for the rest of our lives. And I was 
you know, it's a, it's a very essential point, I think. This one, I, can't, I cannot uh, overemphasize it, but um, the goal of the, of the mind, of the ego mind, of the lower self, is really to propel us or to, to maintain us in a, in a fear-based mode. And I see this around myself. I see different kinds of fears, but uh, I see people acting out of fear. And... and um, Again, it's something that I can see in some of the people around me. At the same time, uh, you know, I ask myself, you know, how can I help these people, providing they want to receive help? Uh, it's not like I'm here to save the world, but um, I'm more like here, you know, to question the way the mind works, my mind. Uh, this one I can attest to it, attest to some of its functioning, at least the one that is uh, conscious to me. But for some other people, there's just fear, and fear paralyzes, and fear, you know, it does so many things into our lives, uh, and saying to the person that, you know, why don't you deal with your fears, may not be the, may not be the best way to help him or her, uh, and at the same time, you know, my, my question again is, how do you get these people out of this pool that... Uh, maintain them and maintains them in uh, in this mode continuing on what uh, the seer says this fear is based on the little self's knowledge that there isn't enough of anything for everybody that it will be burgled if it doesn't hide behind thick walls and is insured against every kind of threat that war shall break out if we do not rearm and so on the knowledge of the true self is based on trust. It knows that its origin is universal. Since it is not interested in property or status, there is nothing to lose. The true self knows where it comes from, why it is here, and where it is going. When you forget this knowledge in all the commotion, you may only regain it by giving up everything the little self appreciates and adores. And I was thinking about that too. Uh, this week, uh, I was looking at different kinds of advertising around outside. Uh, people, people living in very luxury, luxurious residences by the water, by the Strait of Malacca. And um, it's interesting the image that advertising in general, you know, corporate advertising, wants to wants to convey. Um, it wants to convey the message to yourself, to your lower self, that it's, you know, it's prestigious to live in a, in a beautiful residence surrounded by fountains and lush trees and, and that sort of thing. And it, it's, it's a process that deceives more than anything else. But so often our lower self falls into the trap and feels maybe flattered or feels there's some prestige to do this or there's some prestige to buy a nice watch or to drive a fancy car, you know what I'm talking about, or just to wear some very fashionable clothes. And it's all about the way the lower self, again, dresses itself up. And um, it has nothing to do with what is within. You know, it's, it's again a question of, um, I mentioned that earlier on, it's a question of looking outside for answers. When the answers, uh, when it comes to seeking our true selves, and that's pretty much the purpose of this show, and the continuation of this show, is to look within, 
for what is there, for what is um, immuable in French, something you can't move, something which is eternal, something which is always be there, like a rock. Uh, there's many other words for that, like the Christ consciousness, the Buddha nature. And it's a trip that I, and that I try to to ask you to come along, to um, entice you to take. And I hope it will continue beyond beyond this show, in your own life. If you connect with me next week and the weeks after, uh, whenever I think it's there's so many ways um, to go within. There's so many ways to to seek. And. Um, I'll tell you also, I, I just listened to the first part of the recording last week. Um, he's talking about the pathlessness. Pathlessness. <clears throat> Sorry. And I would agree that the path doesn't really matter. I think what really matters more is the fact that we are seeking. And the fact that we are, that we are going somewhere, even though it's not a, a physical or a geographical direction or destination. It's... it's, it's um, it's a movement forward, or when it comes to going within, it's a movement down, downward. And uh, it's more of an exploration of our caves, the caves of what lies within. And again, at times we enter a new cave, possibly one veil has been lifted, and we are given the, the privilege, so, so to speak, of entering a new area of ourselves. Um, a new part of us uh, become conscious, becomes conscious. And um, that's the beauty along the trip. And this is really priceless because it's this fully intangible. And it's not like living in a beautiful residence surrounded by concierge and whatever, you know, people there to hold doors for you and, and feeling part of the jet set society. I mean, there's it, it nothing to do with that. There, there's no jet set society within. It's only, um, it's only gold, it's only love. And again, it's, uh, it's a journey that uh, we ought to take to, um, to find out about our true nature. So the journey, at least the journey on the waves, uh, will continue next week. And um, I again invite you to join me. Uh, feel free to send me an email at uh, seeking at nurturingthegift.org seeking at nurturingthegift.org and you can also find me on Facebook at uh, Gilles uh, Asselin. So please, um, please do so and please ask me questions or suggestions. Again, I will be talking a lot about um, culture um, and the way, I'm, in more details, again, I, I, I got into that earlier on, I think uh, maybe six months, a year ago, but um, the process, again, of, of exploring what culture is and what culture does to us, I will give you some examples um, that are very recent. Um, but again, I see the similarity, the parallel I mentioned between, between self-awareness or, or getting closer to our true self, our higher self. It's a journey again from the lower to the higher. And, and the journey of understand, understanding who we are, culturally speaking. And so, and so I've been here in, in, uh, in Southeast Asia for about 10 days. And I, again, I raise my antennas and I look around. And um, 
There's one uh, very interesting thing we've done last week, about a week ago, is uh, it's all All Souls Day at the moment for a period of about two weeks. And so, as you can imagine, we would um, go to cemeteries <coughs> and pay um, our respects to the deceased. And um, in this case, we went to three different cemeteries. And uh, there's a process. It's a Chinese cemetery, so it's uh, there's tombstones. I mean, the first one was pretty similar to any kind of cemetery I've seen in the West. And uh, the interesting thing is, like you know, it's again, it's a surface level, but it's it's interesting. Uh, we bring joysticks uh, that we burn by the grave, and we also bring uh, incense sticks. And we three times we stick them into the sand. There's like a small. Uh, box full of sand and so we build the joysticks first they are on each side of the box or the urn and then the sand in the middle with the instant sticks so it's part of what we do and I'm also involved in the rituals at my own pace so to speak it's not the first time I'm doing this and um, we bring oranges and that's where my cultural um, <clears throat> my cultural uh, how do you call that um, antenna if you want um, got tickled because in the first cemetery we visited we brought uh, again the joysticks the instant sticks we burned some paper and we brought about four oranges and we offered those oranges to the deceased uh, to the person who was lying in the grave there was only one person at this level where there were about four oranges and after that uh, we took the oranges back with us and my father-in-law said, you know, make sure you don't mix the oranges. So there were more oranges in the bag. We went to a different cemetery. <clears throat> um, in this case, it was uh, grandparents, so possibly older people, at least people who passed uh, earlier on. And it was just a box, a small urn, uh, possibly with ashes, I'm not even sure. But interesting thing, we did the ritual with the joysticks, with the incense sticks, uh, no burning of paper, and then we put down some oranges, and um, and this time we left the oranges there, different oranges again. They were like two different packs of oranges in the bag, so we took the second pack and we set them up in front of the urn, and um, interestingly, again we we left the oranges there, and and I was thinking to myself, you know, um, that's interesting, you know, in the first cemetery. Um, we we take the oranges back. I don't know where they went back. Maybe possibly they were uh, eaten back home. And the second cemetery, we don't. And um, I decided not to ask any question. It's not um, it's not that it wouldn't be appropriate. I think it's a very small thing, and I would be um, at ease asking such a question with my family. But I, I thought to myself, you know, I will let it. Um, let it go, let it simmer, and it's like nothing happened, but it shows what culture does to us, you know, and what someone who is not part of that culture, someone who has not been raised or conditioned in this cultural environment reacts differently and questions, like me, the Western mind, questions the logic of the culture. And um, again, that's... That's what we need to do at the self and the cultural level as well. You know, why is it so that in the first cemetery we bought oranges, the same oranges, same size, same kind, I don't know exactly what kind, it doesn't matter. And we left them there the first time. 
and the second time we left the oranges in the cemetery or right in front of the urn and uh, again transpose that into our self-awareness uh, and our I would call it detective work and uh, you know why is it that in one situation my mind reacts such a way and in situation B or C my mind reacts a different way what is happening what is at work in here why is it that my mind was so active and pissed today you know it's like there's things going on and there's things going on for a reason again a culture is very logic it's very uh, orderly to the people who have been raised who have been um, who have been simmered into that culture and um, and again, there's no questioning because people from the same culture have been doing the same thing for so many years. And if the young kids ask questions, um, then we tell them, we explain to them questions from our son. He had never been to a cemetery before. He knew about it, but his question was about zombies. And uh, so I asked him, did you see any zombie? And he said, yes, maybe I think I saw one. And then back home, I said, can you describe me the zombie that you saw at the cemetery, the first cemetery we visited? And he said, I didn't see any. I was just tricking you. So that's what life is about. Maybe that's what the mind is all about. It's about tricking us, tricking us that we believe we do things a certain way when in fact the mind, the lower self is behind and pulling some, you know, some strings that we're not aware of. And again, hence the importance of this questioning of how things work, how things work in the culture that we are not familiar with, how things work in our mind when you don't quite understand. Obviously, you have to be, we have to be aware enough to realize that, you know, there's a discrepancy between the, one, the way the mind works in one situation and the way it works in a different situation. But, it's, um, it's like an exercise that requires, again, a lot of presence, a lot of listening skills, a lot of observation skills. But I, I deeply believe that the work we do, both in terms of cultural awareness and cultural investigation, is very similar to the work we do in terms of spiritual awareness, in terms of looking at how we function. The thing being, again, that if we look at our own way of functioning, um, it's much more challenging to see it ourselves than it is for other people who are not us. It can more easily tell us what is going on or what is not going on. I have one more example uh, of culture, that a local culture that I will share with you, but what I'm talking about in terms of my own personal, um, what you call idiosyncrasy, the things we do that are important to us and that are possibly cultural and then again we investigate and we assess is it personal is it cultural is it universal and there's one thing of mine which is pretty consistent it has to do with food i was raised in france when uh, when it comes to food and meals uh, it tends to happen fairly sequentially uh, which means you have one dish you finish it then you move on to the second one and so on, and you may have up to three or four courses for the same meal. 
And that's the way we ate at home. My mother was preparing a meal. Usually it's a small appetizer, like a salad, then the main course. And she has a tendency to serve the meat first and then the veggies separate, just the way it is. And then possibly a salad and cheese and then dessert. And it's interesting tonight, there was a dinner, a gathering also in my family. And um, part of the family was late. So we had our dinner first at one of my brother-in-law's. A few of us, so we ate, there was many, many dishes, all of, again, not French, but that's besides the point. All the dishes are on the table at the same time. And we finished um, our dinner and we moved on to something sweet. They were like um, candies and chocolate. And uh, the other part of the party came in and they brought more food and they brought uh, roasted pork, which is almost like a, a delicacy, especially the skin is very crispy, very good. And in my own culture, in, all my, in my Gilles Asselin's culture, I do not go back when I move on to the dessert stage, when I move into the sweet, I usually do not go back into the savory. It's just not part of of me. Is it really the way I was raised? I can't remember my mother saying anything like this about not going back. And I've had episodes in my youth when I remember going to some friend's place and eating um, savory food after sweets. But it seems that now, possibly because I'm older, uh, I tend not to do that anymore. When I get to the dessert stage, that's it. I stay in the sweets. I can add more sweets, more desserts, more whatever but I do not go back. And this evening, um, that's what I did. I didn't touch the pork, the roasted pork. And my, my wife commented uh, to her family that you know it's a cultural thing. And I think it's more of a Gilles Asselin's culture than it is a French culture, but it could be a combination of both. Again, it, it's knowing about our own idiosyncrasies and the things we like, the things we don't like. And, and it's fine, you know, a, a small thing like this doesn't bother or doesn't affect anyone uh, as long as I get enough, enough food. Um, but again, it, it's a question of being aware of our preferences, our tendencies, uh, what we do naturally and what we do oftentimes in um, automatic behavior, you know, things we don't, we do without questioning. Uh, I was fairly aware that there was pork on the table and I wouldn't touch it because first I had enough food and then I, got, I was to the sweet stage. But again, this, this, this exercise, I was going to say this stage, this exercise of getting to the observation and, and, and the logic, logic is a very rational slash Western uh, concept, but the why, the why of doing something. There are so few times that we question, you know, the reason why we're doing things or the reason why we are thinking things. And it's, again, understanding who we are, getting closer to our true nature, requires a lot of investigation, requires a lot of, as I call it, uh, cultural or spiritual curiosity, <clears throat> to use a... Um, which is a concept that I like. And it's, um, it's really an exercise. <clears throat> it's something we need to do on a, on a regular basis to unearth you know, what, um, 
what is going on in our lives and to unearth and to, to bring to light what is in most um, situations unconscious. So I, will, I think I will need to stop here and have a drink of water. And um, I, will, um, I will join you again in a couple of minutes for the last segment. Thank you very much. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill, uh, nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us. Um, Again, looking at what goes on within and uh, how do we act, how do we react, uh, why we do things, why we think things, uh, why we think a certain way. I think it's part also of the, both the personal awareness and the cultural awareness. Just on a, on a, on a funny note, on the funny side, uh, talking about the sweets and desserts, we were in a coffee shop this afternoon uh, for a drink. And there was a sign, there was very nice desserts. We didn't touch any, uh, nothing cultural there. But um, there was a sign saying that desserts is stressed, spelled backward. Desserts is stressed, spelled backward. Just you know, a light moment. And very interestingly speaking, uh, a friend of mine on Facebook, she's in, uh, in Sweden, uh, she emailed me tonight and she said, uh, I'm experiencing brain stress. And I don't know exactly what time she, um, she wrote this to me. Uh, I didn't pay attention to the time that she wrote her message. But again, I have the answer for her. Desserts is stressed spelled backwards. So have some desserts and, and unstress your brain. So it's a very interesting world, isn't it? So, thank you very much again for being here. There's, there's one, one, also one example that, uh, again, we use the image of the iceberg to talk about culture. I will say much more about that next week, and I will, I'm planning also to use slides uh, doing a webinar. It's much easier to do slides. I will have resources, I mean, written resources and, and pictures. 
to illustrate my concepts or my, my, my teaching. And uh, one of them is the concept of the iceberg. And so the, the surface, you know, you know what the 10% is, the visible side, and then the 90% is where you fumble, that's where you make mistakes, because it's mostly invisible. So the, the visible side, the 10%, is the things you can observe and see. Uh, my example about the China, visiting the Chinese cemeteries, it's something you can observe and see very easily, and you can ask questions. And another example also, which is very cultural, uh, is the way people dress uh, in Malaysia, which is predominantly um, a Muslim country. And a lot of women are wearing uh, full-body clothes, obviously, and headscarves. And what's very interesting, this past weekend, we went to a resort by the, sh by the sea, by the shore, on the southeastern peninsula of Malaysia, and there was a water park. So obviously I went to the water park with our son. We had a very good time and we were playing in the water. There was like a, a sort of a river that went down into the a bigger pool. And it was interesting to me to see so many women, so many, there's a lot of Malay people there. And uh, a good number of women were wearing, again, going into the water with their full clothes and their scarves. And uh, again, it's obviously different because it's almost like in your face and uh, it's part of the cultural environment. In Malaysia, it doesn't, nothing unusual. So many people do that, so many women do that. In the West, I think it might be a little different. Uh, I know that in France, the, the headscarf raised a lot of um, questions, especially in school about 20 years ago, to the point that the French government passed a law uh, banning the headscarf in school. And again, there's different, my point in here is like, we need to go past the point where we judge. What is a headscarf, the purpose that it serves? It, it's meaningful and, and, and useful and to some people and it's not to some others. And the meaning it has, I'm not into um, lecturing about headscarves or cultural symbols here, but my point is rather that things are the way they are especially when it comes to uh, people who are external to a culture. I'm not so sure it's uh, our role to change the culture. It, again, it depends where it is and what it is. I mean, in some organizations, and I tried. I tried in my Buddhist organization when I was practicing Buddhism for 15 plus years. In the U.S., I had moments that, you know, I thought to myself, it's um, things are not working here because they are not the way I want things to work. And my, my concept of, in this case, religion, and especially a lay Buddhist organization was much more egalitarian, meaning not so many hierarchical levels. There was at least, in the, in the lay organization, there was at least six, seven or eight levels. And um, the information was strictly down, and some of the information was retained at the top, not given to the bottom. And, and, and again, it's, uh, it's something I didn't like once I fully realized what was going on. And uh, I kind of tried to change the organization. I asked questions at a fairly high level and um, I was listened to, but I wasn't heard. And so in the end, I left. And maybe that's the reason I had to leave. That's the reason why my questions were not heard. What I'm saying is like, it's much more important to realize um, 
what is our culture? What is our own personal culture? And, and where do we belong? And what is our path? I was talking about pathlessness, but uh, we may want to do something with our lives. I, I don't know. I, I want to, but uh, some of us may have different uh, purposes in life. What I'm saying is that, again, there's very much cultural elements when it comes to the national culture of Malaysia, which, in which you see a lot of women wearing headscarves. To uh, a lay Buddhist organizations, there's a lot of elements of culture in there that are made of norms, rituals, uh, rules, uh, practices. And, and again, it's a question of either abiding by those principles or rules or rituals once you are aware of them. Or sometimes it's a question of embracing them blindly just because you feel the need to belong. But my point again is that culture does a lot of things to us. Um, most of the time unknowingly. And again, once we realize how culture works, what does it do to us? Uh, how insidious uh, culture can be? Then we may have a chance to, an opportunity to either undo culture, at least in our own case. You know, if I take my example of not eating savory food after sweets, uh, I could change that very easily. I could change my own culture. This is nothing important. But again, take the example of something at the personal level, at the spiritual awareness level. Take, take some belief, for instance. I don't have any example to mind. A belief that has been um, sort of detrimental to us, that has kept us in the dark, whatever it is. Something that no longer serves us. Um, there are so many of these beliefs that we still um, practice and we still uh, cherish. And it's something, once we become aware of that belief, for instance, and once we realize what this belief is doing to us in our lives, then we can much more easily let it go, uh, whatever it is, and whatever um, purpose it serves. I think, again, we have to, to become aware of the purpose that the culture and the norms and the rituals uh, are serving. Next week, I would like to start uh, with a beautiful example, again, of what a culture is in a, in a religious type of um, organization. And there's a ritual, a very specific ritual. I'm not going to say much uh, now, but it's something that we'll uh, start with uh, next week. Um, telling you about you know, a ritual which is very specific to this community, it doesn't make sense. And yet, people abide by this ritual. It, it keeps people together. It's a sign of um, belonging. And it's, there's so many ways, again, uh, unconscious to us, that we uh, embrace because we want to belong. And in the end, it doesn't serve uh, much of a purpose. At least it doesn't serve our own know, consciousness enhancement, I would say. It doesn't serve our, our progress towards uh, our true self. It doesn't, serve, um, it doesn't serve who we are at a deeper level. So I would like to thank you once again for listening to the show for the past uh, 15 months. It's been a great adventure. 
I believe I learned a lot as well. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a personal journey as well. On this side of the microphone, on this side of the computer, uh, I've been using Skype for quite a bit of time. So the process, again, will be very similar. And I will... Uh, I will uh, see you next week, my friends, in a, in a somewhat uh, different format. Next week, the, the class, the, the program, will be on, on Friday, Friday the 22nd uh, at 12 p.m. Uh, West Coast time, so 3 p.m. New York time, still the same. Again, thank you very much, and uh, have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.